Welcome back, imposters. Today we have a super, super special guest um, from my boot camp days, a blast from the past, Liz Roach. Fuck. Is it Roach or Roche? Damn Roach, it. like the bug, like the bug. Leave it in, leave it in. Okay. I'm leaving this out 100%. <laughs> Liz Roach. Um, like the bug. <laughs> like the bug. She's a Roach. Um, and, um, let's give Liz a, a professional intro here. Um, so Liz joined accelerate 360 as chief data officer in 2021 Wow! and is passionate about automation and data-driven technology solutions. Um, her current role is instrumental in shaping accelerate 360's digital transformation as she works to build proprietary data partnerships and solutions to better serve retailer brand and advertising partners in the A360 ecosystem. Prior to joining Accelerate 360, that your company is a mouthful, um, and I want to hear about all that it does. Um, but yes. that's a mouthful. Accelerate 360, you're just accelerating all around, everywhere. Whiplash. <laughs> it's like whiplash. <laughs> um, so prior to that, uh, Liz led Havas North America's data consultancy as the general manager of North America and the chief strategy officer, where she oversaw brands like Fitbit. Ever heard of it? Lowe's Hotels, Rite Aid, Amazon, never heard of that one, Liberty Mutual, Keurig, AutoZone, and more. Beforehand, she works at she worked at Facebook, where she launched a number of alpha products centered around customer loyalty and personalization for top real, retailers. Liz has a background in engineering and pioneered data-driven targeting solutions for the retail industry vertical at Epsilon. She started her career developing loyalty and marketplace concepts for Groupon and has worked in data and tech companies in data and tech for companies like LinkedIn and Epsilon. And most importantly, she attended Dev Bootcamp with Taylor after that Groupon job, I believe. Uh, and she, after sales, being in sales. After, link, after LinkedIn. Actually. After LinkedIn. Okay, yeah. after LinkedIn. And mm-hmm. she currently lives in Chicago with her French bulldog, Tinkerbell, and another dog that's not pictured in her background. Uh, but she still cares about that dog just as much. Welcome, Liz. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, that dog's name is Ruth and I do care about her just as much. And I also do live with my wife, Gina. Yes. And Gina, shout out to Gina. I don't think I ever met Gina in Chicago. She also, also cares about as much as Tinkerbell and Ruth, just so that we're, we're clear. Yeah. Everyone's cared for in the house. Top three, no specific order. Those are my three. (laughs) All right. Woo. Um, Liz, I can't believe you worked at Groupon. I used to work at Living Social. That was my first job out of college. We're like rivals. Well, we were. And then I think we were consumed by Groupon. So now we're now we're in it together. Yeah. Now we are one. <laughs> yeah, we're we're expired coupons now. I like to Yay. say. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> well, nothing is expired about Liz, as you heard in her. <laughs> In her, in her very professional introduction, this gal is going places. Um, I always see her on my LinkedIn just popping up with a new C-suite role. And it's hard to believe that we were at the same bootcamp six years ago. So I really want to hear about what you've been up to since then. And another fun story is I remember, I distinctly remember you at the bootcamp as like, just like this, like businesswoman. Like I remember, I remember you saying something about like you left sales 
And then you're at this boot camp, and I was like, "Wow, what a decision she made to come here!" And now you've made your way back up. Um, I'm assuming, and and way and way farther than than you were before the boot camp. But let's back it up. And I think um, a lot of our listeners are are career changers and did a career change like like we did. Um, but what led you to do the boot camp in the first place? What led you to leave that sales job um, and make that decision? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I think like anyone who's a career changer or decides to go to a boot camp, it's a brave move. So if you're thinking about it, um, then kudos to you for wanting to take a bet on yourself because that's what it is. It's just like that. I I mean, I always felt that way. I don't know how you felt, Taylor, but oh, yeah. I was like, I'm willing to take a big bet on myself because I believe I can do this. Um, but really what led me there was just I wanted to kind of understand the inner workings of what I was doing and what I was selling and kind of where the market it was going. It just, the, the more I kind of was living in this <clears throat> tech world, the more I realized I needed to kind of know and understand more. Um, and once I started kind of like doing a little bit of coding for fun, I think a lot of us probably started that way, just kind of joking around, uh, taking some courses online. I was like, oh, I like this, you know, I like puzzles and I like trying to figure this out. And I think, I think it'll be a good thing for me to add to my tool tool belt really. So you kind of went into it as like, this is a supplement for my current career, not as much. Um, and then looking at your role since then, like you didn't really go into that typical IC, like software engineer route that a lot of people go to that we, that Monica and I did straight from the boot camp. So I think you have like an interesting perspective for people that are looking for something different, maybe in the tech space, but like the, the thought of coding all day. Um, maybe is not for them. Like, how did you, so getting, leaving the boot camp, like what was that first role like, and what were you looking How did you kind of shape those roles thereafter? Yeah. So I, I mean, leaving the boot camp, um, my first, I, I was a uh, integration engineer at Epsilon and what attracted me to the role immediately was that it was a client facing role. Mm. So it was working with clients, um, really assessing kind of their data assets um, and, and helping them, you know, tag their sites um, and come up with strategies to market better, right? So um, adding attributes, appending attributes to, to profiles and um, writing load scripts and building out proofs of, proof of concept for just better advertising experiences, um, better loyalty experiences, really. And I, I liked it because I thought, you know, I, I do like I always liked sales. I always kind of liked being in front of clients and figuring stuff out. And it just seemed like the right type of role for me. Um, that said, you know, I, I think it was perfect because I didn't want to be coding all day. And I did know that leaving boot camp. I knew yeah. I didn't want to code all day and I knew it wasn't it, that wasn't kind of it. I wanted to know and I wanted to know how to do it and I wanted to be able to. Um, but I just couldn't spend eight hours a day uh, writing code. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, that's kind of how I landed in. And I, and I started seeing like these sales engineering jobs. I mean, right before I left LinkedIn, I was on LinkedIn <laughs> looking at jobs and I was seeing a lot of those more um, sales engineering jobs or integration engineering jobs that were client facing or jobs that really blended this technical and client facing skill set. And I was like, I bet you I could do that. And I bet you I would really like it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of how it, how it shake shook out for me. Liz, can you break down what exactly is sales engineering and integration engineering? Because I've heard the role so many times, but I don't think that I could actually articulate like what that job entails. 
Yeah. So, I mean, for, for me, at least it was, it was really about bringing clients into and, and um, advertising clients into the Epsilon ecosystem. So um, bring, onboarding all of their data files, tagging all their websites, making sure everything was talking to everything else, um, even writing logic and ad serving scripts. So that way, you know, when you're browsing a website and you see that pair of Nikes, um, you're retargeted for six days, but no longer than six days. So writing that kind of logic and making sure all of those parts and pieces are talking to each other. Um, so it was, again, like highly client-facing, right? You're you're working with the client, you're onboarding files, you're troubleshooting things, um, and you're also talking strategy, like what do we want to do here? Um, and sales engineering roles, you know, can be pretty similar. I think I think they kind of vary from, from place to place, but a lot of it is kind of having that technical know-how to build proof of concepts for um, clients looking to onboard tech platforms, like, you know, whether it's an SSO platform or a MarTech partner. It's so nice to hear about the hybrid roles because, um, you know, sometimes coming out of boot camp, you're like, I don't know what the heck I want to do. And there, we didn't, we definitely didn't get exposure to these different career paths, right? Like, I feel like it was more of like, get the IC role. Um, and that was the goal of it. So it's so good to hear about just like there are different options out there that you could be qualified to get even more so than, than an IC role out of a boot camp Cause you don't know anything. So you may even be more qualified for a role where you're maybe not coding all day, but you're really utilizing your communication skills, relationship building, and also like half, half and half coding. So totally. listeners, listeners pay attention. Good route for you. If you like to deal with people like on a day-to-day basis, right? And if you're into like business strategy, you know, mm-hmm. if you, if that's kind of part of your mindset and you, you want to um, concept things and build things that are going to drive, you know, your client's business forward or, you know, enhance whatever it is, whether it's their productivity or their, their marketing campaigns. I mean, it's a good place to be. You can kind of have that business strategy mindset and then also get your hands dirty and, and get into the code. Let's talk about your, um, just like your career journey from that first job. And yeah. like, so we've mentioned in the intro, you've been like in two C-suite positions, which is kind of like, that's like the end all be like, that's like the top of the top and that's where you want to get to. So how, how did, what did that progression look like? Um, into being a, a boss ass bitch. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, honestly, like I, I have to, I have to call out, first of all, my time at Meta was super transformational. Um, it was, it was amazing. I really loved working there. And one of the best parts about working there was uh, not only working on really complex things and, and kind of having um, a really resource rich environment to try new things, you know, you could pitch ideas and build alphas and betas and um, kind of get really crazy and, and really work hard for your clients and uh, do all that kind of good stuff. But there also were tons of mentorship opportunities mm-hmm. there. Um, and for me, actually, I, I met one of my mentors. And, and of course, I have I have many, um, including, you know, my mom, including my sister, including my wife. But um, I met I met a really important mentor who really helped me shape my leadership skills um, and has, has been like a phenomenal counselor and a phenomenal cheerleader and someone who kind of has, uh, helped me realize that I can take those next, next steps. Cause it, it is scary. Like you look at some of these job descriptions and you're like, Oh God, I was just in college. Not that long ago. You know, like, mm-hmm. am I really seriously going to do this? And uh, I think having someone who's in your corner, who's tenured, um, who can take you under their wing, who you can bounce stuff off of is so crucial. So um, I met that mentor at at Meta, and um, she moved over to Havas actually, and 
I, I moved over to Havas too. And then from there, I, I ended up um, getting promoted and, and kind of running the practice in North America. Um, but really, again, a lot of it has been that I have a person behind the scenes who I can balance a lot of things off of. I don't know all the answers. And just being able to call her and be like, I have this problem, whether it's a strategic problem, uh, you know, a PL management problem, a financial, you know, like getting finances together or um, building year-end presentations or forecasting. She's she's like the judgment-free, get, you know, let's let's talk it out, right? And um so that's been super crucial. And, and actually she's also at Accelerate 360. So she is the chief innovation officer, shout out Nikki Laughlin. And, um, um, and so she's, she's just, a, she's just been, you know, incredible. So I think um, finding those people to really kind of be able to have that vulnerability and kind of say, you know, I, I haven't done this before, but then again, like, you know, most people in, in every role haven't done it before. And, and I think honestly, that's kind of the way this, this economy is also like your job today probably won't be your job next year uh, in terms of your role and responsibilities. Maybe you work at the same place, but you're probably going to be doing entirely different things. So um, that's been a really important thing for me. Were you always sort of like looking at your career trajectory as though you wanted to get to the C-suite at some point and we're kind of planning your moves that way, or did it feel more just kind of like a natural progression based on your relationship with your mentor and sort of um, opportunities that, uh, that kind of came up as you were working? You know, I'd, I'd be lying if I, if I said it, this wasn't kind of always what I wanted to be doing. Um, but I think, you know, it's, it's tough because a lot of times you're wondering whether the timing is right. Um, and, you know, is it right for me? Is this move right for me? Is this the right next step? And um, being able to have, have a mentor kind of reassure you that, you know, you're on the right path and you're, you're kind of in the right direction is, is really helpful. Um, but I, I've kind of had a zigzaggy career to begin with. So I think that's probably uh, what, what, you know, modern leadership really is, you need to still be able to kind of do your, do the work. You never know when someone's going to leave and you're going to be running reports or, you know, writing load scripts or whatever, you know, doing a tag audit on a website. You don't know, you might be the chief data officer and you might find yourself doing that if someone, someone leaves. So being able to kind of still do the work, but also lead the charge um, is an interesting balance, but it's, it's something that uh, I think has been, probably a little bit easier to kind of do from home, honestly, in a lot of ways. Yeah. I find being at home, like you you feel less on the hook to perform kind of like if you get a task that you really have no idea how to do it, you don't feel like someone's there watching you struggle. You're like, okay, like no one can see that. I don't know how to do this. (laughs) Like, I'm just going to sign off and go look it up. And then the next time you see me, I'll, I'll have it figured out. Um, I mean, or like you, you're at, you can ask for help, obviously. And asking for help sometimes I think is easier in this remote environment because it's just a little more like, hey, I need help. It's not like going up to someone and being like, hey, can you please help me? Um, so I I feel that a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I think it's also everyone's so in the same boat. I, at first, we were all trying to act so buttoned up working remote. Yeah. And and now we're like, my dog's barking. FedEx is here. Yeah. You know, like um, I'm on a juice cleanse. I feel like garbage or whatever it is. Right? Like, 
we're all, we're all pretty like open and honest about it, you know? Um, so I, I think that's been, that's also been nice and kind of humanizing when we went into work, it's like, you know, you blow dry your hair, all your stuff's ironed, you're ready to roll, kind of put on that smile and get it, get it going. And now you can kind of like scream into a pillow if you have to, and no one, no one has to know about it. (laughs) So true. So true. Um, that mentor you're talking about, is that someone that you just worked with and you naturally created that mentorship? Did you seek her out? Like, how did that come to be? Um, so we were paired up at, at Meta, um, because we have, uh, complementary skill sets that I would say are, are almost entirely opposite. So I had a lot of that tech kind of know-how and especially in the digital marketing space could really um, navigate my way around that pretty well. And she has, um, a long history of retail, um, leadership. So she was, a a head marketer at, at Meyer previous to working at Meta and we ran grocery drug for Meta. So we kind of got paired up and it was um, serendipitous to say the least. But I think what we ended up figuring out was that, um, that, you know, as much as she had to offer, it was like getting a master's degree, like working with her was like getting my master's. It was like unreal, just learning so much. But, you know, what, what I ended up finding out later down the road was that she was kind of getting equal out of me, you know, equally interesting and different knowledge. So we just kind of hit it off, I think, um, in general. And, and, um, that was, it was against very serendipitous, but she also really pushed me to be a better professional. And I think that's one thing that if you have a mentor in your workplace, uh, it, that's something that is really awesome, um, because they can kind of see you day in and day out and, and give you that real time coaching. Whereas, you know, I do have other mentors outside of the workplace and, and that's a a little bit different um, of a relationship, but yeah, I would definitely encourage everyone, you know, try to find a mentor, try to buddy up with someone, make sure you can bring something to the table um, because you want them to get just as much out of the relationship as they get out of it. And then make sure you just like them, like make sure you (laughs) Make sure you can go out to dinner, make sure if you're on the road traveling, you know, for work or whatever, and your hotel is, room isn't ready, you can get ready in their room before a meeting. Or, um, <laughs> that's, that's always really helpful too. Oh my God. The days of traveling and getting and being in a hotel room, like that must be so far away. That's sad. Yeah, I know. Seriously. <laughs> no, I agree with you. The mentor, uh, mentorship stuff is so important. And also like but and sometimes it's good to know that if someone wants to mentor you, they want to build the skills of being a good mentor. So maybe you don't exactly, if you're super junior in your career, maybe you don't exactly have a lot to bring to the table in terms of things you can teach them, like tangibly teach them skills. But that partnership is teaching them how to be a better mentor. The feedback you give them, like it, it does help them develop those competencies, I think. So if, even if you may not be like, oh, I have this to bring, um, as long as you're like on time, respectful of their time, responsible with communication, and you're not like a drain, you can still, it can still be like a valuable partnership, I think. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. But I also, I also think you don't need to underestimate what you can bring. Like if you, if you worked in a, in a, you know, quick serve restaurant, you, you learn all different kinds of skills, right? And you're, let's say you're transitioning into a software engineering role, a junior role. Um, you learn a lot of different things in, in that kind of, in that kind of environment that I think you could bring into a, men, a mentor mentee relationship. So don't underestimate kind of like the weird stuff, you know, or the weird experiences that you think are irrelevant. They might come back around and be really cool to, to bring into that relationship too. 
want to pivot a little bit and get into our favorite subject, which is imposter syndrome. Shocker. Um, Liz, how, if at all, um, has imposter syndrome like played a role in your life, in your career trajectory? Was there ever a time where it felt like particularly sticky for you or um, or even a time where you felt like it motivated you to, to take the next step? Yeah, I think um, joining Meta, it, I was working with the smartest people I've ever worked with. And I think, you know, that's, that's a different experience when you are surrounded by, you know, the best and the brightest. And you also know that, you know, everyone else in your professional circle outside of that company is, is like, well, I want that job too. Right. Like it was just, um, and I, and at times I was like, why the hell did they choose me to do this? Right. Like, I have no idea why I'm here. I, I'll, I will do my best. Um, and I think it was pretty motivating. And I think that's, that's something that, that I've always kind of been able to do is turn that fear into motivation or like that imposter syndrome into, into more motivation to just kind of know everything. Maybe that's even why I went to coding bootcamp. Like I didn't want to be an imposter sales tech person. Um, and I wanted to figure out how it actually, actually worked. Um, and then I think also just like stepping into leadership roles, moving from a managing director to general manager was a big step. Um, and I had, I had never done it before. You know, I had never uh, managed a PNL. I had never kind of had that type of responsibility over an entire organization and, and also had to, you know, set the strategic vision and, and basically galvanize the, the troops. And, um, and that was, that was kind of a, a big, scary thing. And I think the, you know, Rome wasn't made in a, in a day or, or a week or a month or a year. And I think that's kind of another thing to remember um, that you can take baby steps and you're going to make a ton of mistakes uh, everyone makes mistakes um, and you just kind of got to figure it out and like move on. But I, I will say one thing that's always helped me is uh, creating 30, 60, 90 plans. So if create a 30, 60, 90 plan, whether you're going into a leadership role or an IC role, and that can be personal, um, include things that you want, you know, for your teams, uh, things that you want to learn, things that you want to dive deep into, relationships you want to make, connections you want to make. Uh, I think that can be really helpful and also ease some of the anxiety and give you a little bit of a roadmap to kind of get kick the wheels and, and get started. And that is the first thirty days, the first sixty days, and the first and then the ninety days. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of jobs give us those, right? Yeah. But, yeah. But, like what those, the benchmarks that your job gives you. Yeah, definitely do those, but make your own goals. You know, maybe, maybe you want to, maybe there's something at your job or some department or some module within whatever you're working on that you want to be expert level on. It might not be part of your job description, but go for it and make that part of your 30, 60, 90 plan. Right. Um, or, you know, maybe you want to lock in a mentorship opportunity or maybe you want to lock in a mentee relationship, um, you know, make that part of your 30, 60, 90 and, and work towards those. Um, in, in terms of imposter syndrome also, um, how about being a woman in tech? Like how has that, uh, affected you having imposter syndrome if it has, um, or how has it just affected your career and does it, does it play into your daily life? 
It totally does. I mean, obviously like a queer woman in tech, it's kind of like double whammy. Mm -hmm. Um, There just aren't a ton of us in there. So I think getting comfortable being the only one at the table has taken some time for sure. Um, And it is kind of scary, you know, at first when, when you're kind of, when you are the only one and it's, it takes a lot of bravery and a lot of courage to start, you know, taking chances and speaking your mind and and actually pulling up your chair at the table. Um, But I think, you know, that's, that's another really important skill. I I think I actually learned at bootcamp was again, to like take bets on myself. I taught myself how to learn a lot better. I taught myself, um, you know, how to be really resourceful. And I think you can take all of those things and um, equip yourself and, and know that you're really well-equipped, especially if you've done a bootcamp program that's kind of forced you into those skills. You are really well-equipped to sit at that table and you are really brave. So if you have an idea, um, put it out on the table, you know, play to win. Don't just hold back because you deserve to be there just as anyone else has. And in fact, I think people with really diverse professional backgrounds are adding so much to organizations. It's, it's unbelievable. So um, I think, you know, it's, it, you you can kind of flip the script on it, but I think there's a lot of self-talk and like self-hype that, that will help. And if you really reflect on those things that you can bring to the table, I, I think it's, you can overcome that in a lot of ways. So I'm hearing that you think the boot camp was worth it. I do. I think it was really worth it. I think from from a skills perspective, for sure. You know, I, I work in data a lot, so that's important. Um, data structures was my favorite part of camp, boot camp. Um, <laughs> I didn't like. I didn't like Funny. doing like. I didn't like any of really like the front end stuff or like the fun stuff that everyone else liked. I didn't like really like that stuff, but I did like the data structures portion. Um, and, but I think most importantly, like it did teach me how to teach myself. I mean, yeah, yeah. going to college, you know, it's, everything's spoon fed to you really. And, and that's awesome, but to have to be super resourceful and, and teach yourself, it's, it's not only a huge confidence booster of like, hell yeah, put that flag in the ground. Like I conquered that, but, but also <laughs> like I'm resourceful. And again, I think if you look at like the modern workplace, a lot of the stuff or the technology or the strategies that I have to work on today aren't things you can learn in school because they will change every year, right? Like, you know, especially especially in kind of digital and in data, you know, who, who could have foreseen kind of uh, metaverse, who could have really thought, or no one even knows what Web 3.0 is really going to look like, right? Um, or who knows what's going to happen with privacy and data security. Like, mm-hmm. these are things you can't just get textbooks for. So being able to be so resourceful and um, be able to make those decisions, I think, has been is something I definitely got at bootcamp. It's so interesting you bring that up because I think it's actually a common misconception. People think that bootcamp is like this machine where it's like you go in, uh, you know, just like a regular person and you come out a software engineer and really it's, you get out of it entirely what you put into it in terms of your own efforts because you're not, going to like you said nobody is spoon feeding you this material like you have to learn it on your own but what you are given is um kind of the tools that you need to help you understand like what you should be googling uh to Mm -hmm. to find the answer that you're 
looking for, which is truly an invaluable skill because all of the resources that are available to you at bootcamp are available online. You can find courses on data structures online. You can find courses on front-end development online for free. It's all free and available, but what you can't find is, you know, people who are holding you accountable and giving you specific tasks that are designed to kind of push you a little bit just far enough into unfamiliar territory where you're forced to actually go out and kind of pull from new resources that you find. Totally. Yeah. And I think, I think that's another thing. Bootcamp, it was so many high highs and low lows, right? Because mm. you have that low low of, I will never get this. And Taylor wanted me to bring up the fact that I had to repeat a section of bootcamp. So I, <laughs> I, I, I did didn't want you. I was wondering if we could learn a lesson from that. <laughs> yeah. So Taylor, because Taylor really wanted me to talk about the time I repeated a section of bootcamp. I want to make um, it clear that, yeah, I advanced beyond Liz at one point. So just really want to make that clear for everyone. It's very true. Um, but I think, um, I forgot where I was going with that, but. High highs and low lows. Oh yeah. There are so many high highs and low lows. And I think with, without, um, having that being pushed, like Monica, you talk about being pushed like right to that edge without getting there, you never get that high, high win. And honestly, that's kind of how corporate America is too, right? Like it is high highs and low lows and you kind of need to be able to ride the wave. And having a track record of, I joined a role that I knew nothing about and I ramped up really quickly and then have like proven success over and over again, whether it was the boot camp or that next role. And it seems like you just had roles every subsequent role was totally different. Like having that track record is so important to talk about in interviews, just to like, just to prove that you can take on that challenge. Um, and the fact that you did a boot camp and wanted to learn those skills in such a, like a, an area that's such a black box to so many with like pretty minimal experience going in, like that's just a good, it's a good show of like grit and determination and curiosity, honestly, for, any employer. So it's just like, it's, it's just a good thing to do in general. I feel <laughs> even if you don't, even if you do, like, and there's so many pathways out of a boot camp, which is, I'm so glad we're talking about with you because we tend to forget all those other ways, like all those other paths that, that can happen out of that boot camp. Yeah. I think, you know, if, if you're not into wanting to code all day, there are so many consulting roles, you know, that you can be really, really effective at. Um, you know, because of the skills you learn in a boot camp, not only the technical skills, but the ability to constantly reinvent your skill set, constantly teach yourself new things, constantly dig deep and get a new expertise, um, kind of like on a uh, at a whim, on a whim. And constantly deal with people in your cohort next to physically next to you, maybe not nowadays, but like you, we had to pair with someone like code directly next to them all day long. Um, and I'm sure Liz and I have, uh, we have a lot of stories offline about that experience. Um, some, sometimes went better than others, but it's just, it was a really good lesson. Like it was a very all encompassing lesson of like, you figure it out, you figure out what to do. Um, and yeah, you gain confidence from that. Like I did that. I like what you said about flag in the ground, like conquered. We totally conquered it, even though it's not like we came out being ready to, create the next biggest app on the app store. Um, that wasn't really the point. 
Uh, one side note about boot camp. Do you remember like everyone was drinking Soylent exclusively at boot camp and like not eating meals? That happened at my boot camp too, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I was not in that camp. No, me neither. No. I, I do remember some people doing that. I feel like they were trying to embody like the tech bro. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like they thought that would get them where they wanted to be faster if they if they like acted like how some tech bros act. Yeah. And also like, oh, I'm too busy. I'm too busy to yeah. eat. Like, yeah, so I went. My little Greenfield project is too important. It's can't take meals. Hustle harder. I like. Have- o- I only ate candy through boot camp. Like, <laughs> I would go to that CV. There was a CVS across the street, and I would go to CVS and I would just only eat sour gummy candy pretty much for that entire time. <laughs> I remember there was a burger place across the street, like a really good one. Yes. And that was a treat. I would always treat myself to that place when I had a particular, either a really hard day or like a good day. Like it was uh, either one got a reward. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you, what do you have like a memory, like a either really great memory or like a bad memory from bootcamp that you want to share? I didn't, I didn't prepare you for this ahead of time. So it's okay. Um, I I have to say that some of some of my less awesome memories were signing up for tutoring sessions on Saturdays um, because it was just I just think that it was just kind of it was just an awkward experience it was it was super awkward um, so the and also going in there on Saturdays was such a bummer because I had already been there but we were pulling like twelve hour days already so I was like ugh to get in here on Saturday. That was such a bummer, but I do have so many fond memories of being up late eating candy mostly. (laughs) Um, and, and kind of working on things with, with fun people and kind of getting to know different people. It was a, it was an interesting group. I mean, a lot of different personalities and (laughs) frankly, personalities I haven't run into since. Um, so I think that was, that was kind of a whole other aspect, but yeah, I kind of, I like, I was, I always loved in college also just doing those late night study sessions. So I think boot camp was kind of like reliving that for me. Yeah. It was like, like a sprint too. You know, you can like, you see the tunnel, like the light at the end of the tunnel, because it's, it's such a short and intense program. So I feel like that also makes it easier to put in like the 12 hour days without burning out so quickly because you know it's going to go by so fast it was like a camp too like it I think that's what like such an interesting group of people and also I don't know if you felt this Liz but I also felt like just cool to be there especially as one of the only women and like you had the feeling definitely the feeling that some of your some people at the boot camp like didn't think you could do it or like you know thought they were better than you and like just the satisfaction of getting a job before someone or like, <laughs> I will say that. So I, I started in your cohort, obviously Taylor, but as we've already been over, but we can go over again. I, I did have to repeat a section <laughs> of boot camp. Um, and I did find that when I went into that other cohort, it was a lot nicer and a lot more uh, supportive of a cohort. Mm. So that was actually one thing that in hindsight, I was really thankful for, because I did feel like there was kind of a weird mean girl vibe in, in the original, in your cohort and my original cohort. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, God, I'll never, I'll never survive this. Cause like, 
I have, I, you know, I just don't have a lot of patience for it. So I was pretty happy that I ended up kind of going into the the next one down. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. I think we had, it, it was, it was definitely a great lesson for me in dealing with those different, different personalities. Um, because like there are some different personalities in engineering, like you, you haven't run into them. I've definitely run into some of them. Um, and yeah, having that experience, you're just like, okay, run into this before. Like, this is how I'm going to approach that person with caution. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was such a unique time in our lives. And I'm, I feel sorry for boot camps these days that have to be completely remote, even though it, it's probably less exhausting. I don't know. Being in front of the screen, maybe more exhausting all day, but it was such like a, such a camp. I do have overall such fond memories, even though like the day to day was so intense and hard and stressful. And I felt like I would never understand a single thing. And here we are now. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. It's funny too. I'm sure you experienced this too, when you got into your first job and it was so different from like, obviously like your job is not coding challenges. So (laughs) you get, you get into your job and you're like, Oh my God, this is, I don't even know how, like help me set up my development environment. Like that was, that was my, the first big task. You're like, I have never used any of these things before. Um, and yeah, it was like, it was kind of scary, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the beauty of boot camps. You can't take anything from boot camp and just transpose it onto your next experience. It's, it's like bits and pieces and you kind of assemble them however you need to. Maybe let's leave everyone with some advice, um, whether it be like bootcamp specific advice, career advice, obviously you spoke a lot about mentorship. Um, but yeah, advice you have for someone coming out of a bootcamp, going into one, changing careers. Thinking about one. Yeah. Thinking about one. Yeah, I think I kind of said it on on the top, right? But if you are considering one or you're in a boot camp right now or you've just graduated boot camp and you're feeling unsure of yourself, just remember how brave you are. You know, you're part of a teeny percentage of people who knows that they can and wants to take a bet on themselves and and um you have a lot of bravery and that's going to serve you really well. So never even when you feel really scared or when you feel really unsure, I think that's a really nice North star. And, and once you graduate boot camp and you, you know, start excelling in your career, um, don't forget to recognize that bravery in others. Like those are, those are people you want around you. And those are people you want to mentor. Um, and those are people that, you know, maybe just need one, one good encouragement or, or one person to tell them that they can, uh, in order for them to really take that next step. So you're brave and, because you're brave, you need to recognize others who are brave and pat them on the back. Well, I recognize the bravery in both of you and may it shine all the way through. That was, that honestly <laughs> that, was that poetic. Gorgeous. Wow. Did we just gorgeous. start a new religion or something? Yeah. We I mean, I think we, yeah. <laughs> at the very least, we made a, a sound that we can copy on the TikTok. Uh, maybe finally go viral. Uh, that's my goal. That's my next career goal. Yeah. Well, it's in your, uh, maybe your 30, 60, 90. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Put it in your plan. 100%. Well, Liz, thank you for gracing us with your presence and wisdom and bravery. 
And um, we'll be following that career journey until you are, you are a CEO. I love it. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It was really nice to see you, Taylor. Monica, it was great to meet you. I Lovely to meet you, you. Hope you both have a great evening. Yes. Awesome. You too. All right. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Bye.